This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the DTV Digest Short Shots. Instead of me and Rich reviewing a bunch of short films this week, this episode features an interview with Carly Boone, a young independent filmmaker seeking to make her directorial debut with her horror short Night Shift. If you would like to help out Carly raise funds for the film, please check out the links in the footnotes. Uh, otherwise, without further ado, let's crack on. Um, Carly, so uh, Night Shift, um, you're, you're currently in sort of pre-production at the moment, so um, still sort of fundraising for it. Um, how, how about you give us a little uh, blast as to what it's about? Yeah, so um, I've been in development for Night Shift since last fall. Um, I've been in pretty much pre-production since January of this year. Um, Night Shift is a coming-of-age horror short film. Um, it follows uh, my protagonist. Her name is Cheryl Bennett. And basically, it just kind of explores her personal struggles as she's dealing with uh, a variety of different uh, issues like sexual harassment in the workplace, um, growing up, becoming an adult, and uh, fighting kind of this small town conservatism and uh, misogyny in her small 1980s town. So a, a lot of what this short film was inspired by, I mean, I have many, many different points of inspiration, but mm. um, one big thing for me that I wanted to explore was um, that very vulnerable and kind of dehumanizing experience of being a woman in the service industry mm. in the restaurant industry. Um, it's something I feel super connected to. I've been working in food service since I was 16 years old. So I've been in those shoes of, you know, dealing with demeaning male management and crass customers and unwelcome flirtation and uh, all of these kind of very harmful experiences, especially when you are an already vulnerable young woman who already has like essentially no power in this world. Mm. Yeah, I, I can certainly see that. Um, I, I also worked, um, well, I worked as a barman for, for a number of years and worked with numerous young ladies and, and sort of witnessed the sort of stupid things they had to put up with, you know. Um, we used to get guys come in specifically to, just so they could ogle at certain girls, you know, and if they weren't there, they just walk out again. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And um, yeah, so a lot of this was kind of inspired by, you know, an array of experiences that, that I've had personally that I, you know, people that I know, coworkers have experienced. And um, interestingly enough, the, uh, the actress, um, actor, their name's Marlo Lee, um, who is portraying Cheryl in my short film, um, when they reached out to me about the role, they actually sent me this really heartfelt email about how they were a waitress um, mm. the summer after they graduated high school. 
just like the character in my film, um, worked there with their best friend, just like the characters in my mm. film, and experienced a lot of sexism and misogyny while working at this diner and even had some funny anecdotes as far as uh, different ways that they were able to kind of slyly get back at some of these customers who are, you know, making crude comments or um, they even told me at one point they had this, uh, these two customers, these older male customers who would consistently fight about whose wife Marlo was like at the diner. Like they felt like they had this weird power over this random girl who was just serving them food. Um, and I think a lot of it goes back to this kind of um, inherent like domesticity that seeing a woman serving you food kind of uh, evokes. And I feel like it just kind of creates this really odd power imbalance, especially when you are looking at um, young female servers and the older men that they are often serving. Mm, absolutely. I used to see, you used to see it in, um, in, in the office I used to work in as well, you know, you used to work again, sort of various ladies used to work with and um, used to get guys come on and they'd, they'd perch themselves on the side of their desk so, so they're so they're actually looking down at them. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So they actually sit on the corner of the desk, sort of looking down at them. It's absolutely driving me crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen like nine to five. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was kind of like a very, very early key point of inspiration for me was seeing that film. And obviously, Night Shift doesn't take place in an office. It takes place mm. in a diner, and it's discussing more. Um, you know. Rest, the restaurant industry but I mean sexual harassment in the workplace I think is an issue in every workplace oh, especially, yeah, especially because like I said the the men are usually the ones on top who have all the power and control. Um, you're setting this in 1985 why the 80s? So there's a few reasons why uh, a few reasons why I wanted to set it in the 1980s. Um, so first of all, uh, I don't know if I actually explicitly mentioned this yet, but um, Night Shift is also a werewolf film. So mm -hmm. my lead character is kind of going through this um, emotional and physical transformation throughout the film as far as you know she's coming of age she's growing up she's kind of trying to figure out what she wants she knows she doesn't want to be stuck in her small conservative town for the rest of her life um, but she's also going through a literal physical transformation into this kind of man-eating monster and I wanted to set it in the 80s because uh, as a lot of people who are into horror know the 1980s was really like the pinnacle of um, werewolf films specifically mm -hmm. but also just of practical effect, uh, effects in a general sense and mm -hmm. I really wanted to make sure I kind of um, evoked those same visuals in this more modern story. And um, as we know, the 1980s was also kind of this period where 
hypersexualization, uh, especially in media, started to get really <laughs> kind of grotesque, mm-hmm. in my opinion, and uh, was a lot more in your face. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of the 80s in general, especially cinema in the 1980s, but I still can see so many issues in the representation of women in films during that period. Um, I recently watched Roadhouse for the first time a few months ago, Hmm. and that one specifically, um, I was like still writing the script for this when I I saw that, and it really um, solidified for me why I felt so connected to the 1980s and why I wanted to subvert so much of this just rampant sexism and hypersexuality that was being created uh, on screen with these women um, and just how much I disagreed with the way that they were being portrayed and how uh, little actual character traits they had. Um, so that was that was really important to me was to kind of um, be able to explore and subvert that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, like I said, the 80s, I just really, really feel connected to that period of time. Um, it's when my parents were in high school. So they've told me lots of fun anecdotes from just being a teenager during that time. And I'm just a huge fan of 80s teen movies, even though they have their issues like, you know, Pretty in Pink and Fast Times at Ridgemont High and all of these uh, John Hughes films. They definitely have a lot of issues with the way that um, the female characters are being portrayed. Um, But I still have so much love for them and I kind of wanted to make something that evoked a lot of that aesthetic but maybe didn't have the the rampant sexism part of it (laughs) yeah I mean The Breakfast Club is a great example I think because I I absolutely love that film except for the moment where Molly Molly Ringwald takes um Ali Sheedy into the bathroom and, and mm-hmm. gives her a makeover and it's like see if only you made yourself pretty the boys would like you and then all your problems go away it's like crazy but, um yeah who, who doesn't like Judd Nelson on that one <laughs> <laughs> yes definitely yeah uh mm. a lot of those movies um don't really treat their female characters um in the way that I would like to treat Mm. my female characters so I really wanted to make something that was still set in that time period and kind of dealt with um, a lot of the issues that people and women were dealing with in the 80s but are still dealing with today you know like hyper feminization and sexualization in media for women Mm. is still a very big issue and it never went away um, so I just kind of wanted to emphasize that with my my new film that this is still a problem, conserva- mm. like small town conservatism, and um, it, like there's still very real issues that young women and women of all ages are mm. continuing to struggle against. Well, I mean, 
yeah, you can't get more blatant than what, what's recently happened with the, the Supreme Court as well, can you? I mean, um, that is, uh, the, the rest of the world is sort of looking on aghast at what's going on there. With the, the, oh, I'm know, sure. Um, it really is. And, but, um, you know, the whole thing, you, you know, you mentioned this sort of small town conservatism. I'm, I'm sort of thinking of it from a British point of view. Yes, we do have, um, you know, very right wing sort of um, little villages and things but but the, I, I think the key difference is that people keep out of other people's business over here <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean whereas there it's like no I have to impose my my viewpoint on everyone else so that's, oh I think yeah that's, I mean we got a lot of that as well but it's, it's not not so much in the sort of small towns yeah absolutely I I, <laughs> I would totally agree with you I feel like people um are very open about their opinions, even when you don't want them. <laughs> and mm. I feel like also, you know, even when you're a waitress or when you're working in food service, like people, I mean, I still work in food service today and mm -hmm. I have so many customers just like telling me their random opinions on like me or how I'm acting or how I look. And yeah. I'm like, who asked you? Like, I didn't, <laughs> I don't yeah. want your opinion. Mm. Um, and I feel like there's this, yeah, there's this like bombastic kind of just like, I need to make you know what I'm thinking about you or what mm. I think about what you're doing that I don't know if it's as prevalent in other countries, but definitely in the United States, people are very, very open about sharing their views with you even when they aren't being asked them hmm. absolutely I, I think one of those sort of worst things at the moment and it's you know it's such a ridiculously petty thing but but quite hurtful is when people um uh, mispronoun people you know when when someone is obviously trans and mm -hmm. actually go out of their way to 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 misgender them I, th I think that is such a petty thing, um, you know, but, but it, it, it does seem to be sort of quite endemic and pe people, you know, they, they feel they have to do that. They have to sort of, you know, make that point, um, which, which I think is just ridiculous. Yes, I'm, I'm going out of my way to ruin this person's day. Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll never, I'll, I'll never be able to understand that. I, mm like to think that I'm not like that myself, but there seem to be a lot of other people who just kind of don't know when to close their mouths. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, let's get back to the film. <laughs> um, you, you touched on briefly um, sort of the cast and crew for this. How, how, did you, how do you go about actually sort of recruiting uh, the people who are gonna be working with you on this? Yeah, so, um, a lot of it honestly was social media for me. Um, I kind of, when I started uh, writing this film, um, I just started making a social media account for it. I was starting to share like mood boards and just, um, you know, little tidbits here and there about kind of what the concept was. And uh, I also started to just kind of put out feelers on my own social media because I was really looking for new collaborators, people that I had worked with before. And I was really looking to just kind of expand my, my community. 
Um, so I really just kind of like started with posting on social media and just saying, hey, I like I have this concept and it involves werewolves and the 80s and it's a uh, feminist horror and who's who's interested in making it with me and uh it took a while to kind of um really like sieve through like who I felt I could connect with as a collaborator but I had a lot of really incredible people reach out to me and um as I was kind of finishing up the script started to just send the script to really anyone <laughs> who was mm. willing to read it and um, I was really like blown away by the amount of people who, you know, felt connected to it for, for whatever reason, like if, you know, they had experienced similar things in uh, working in food service, or they just liked the idea of doing a feminist horror, or they just wanted to create something, um, because I think that was another part of, um, trying to find people to work on this was we are coming out of a global pandemic if you mm -hmm. hadn't heard <laughs> um but there are a lot of people who are just hungry to to work on things again and create and myself included that's why i wanted to start this project that's why i wanted to kind of create my own platform to make something mm -hmm. because I wasn't being handed any opportunities. I wasn't having people knock my door down saying, hey, make something for us. Um, so I kind of had to be the one to say, okay, well, if I'm not really getting any opportunities, I just need to create one myself. And in doing that, I can give opportunities to other people who you know, are on the same wavelength as me creatively so that was really incredible to see how many people in my community really just were ravenous to help make something and kind of finally come out of the woodwork after many of us not having been on a set or really done anything creative for years because it's it's daunting and it's overwhelming to consider how to even make something when you know there's a pandemic going on and there's so many filmmaking especially independent filmmaking and in like you know very small budget filmmaking is already so hard and so yeah. daunting and so expensive so to eat to add more uh you know complications into the mix like having to deal with all of these new protocols and keeping your cast and crew safe while filming. It was just really, really demoralizing for a long time, um, especially for people like me who graduated college or high school or you know, were starting mm. a new career, going through any kind of transition during the pandemic. Um, it just made it that much scarier and that much harder. So I was really, really happy to have been able to find so many people who were going through that same experience. Um, I knew a lot of people uh, from my college who were able to really connect with me on this feeling of just like 
God, we just haven't been able to do anything we wanted to do or make anything we wanted to make for mm -hmm. so long. And now it's finally feeling like this is the time to do it. And I'm, I'm so relieved for that. I'm so happy that filmmaking, especially small budget indie filmmaking is finally able to start happening again because it, it really wasn't for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and and, and uh, I I really um, applaud your your mindset for this. You know, the, the idea that um, okay, no one's knocking on your door, but you, but you know you you can build something and and um, you know give give opportunities to other people as well, which, which is absolutely superb. Um, so so just touching on you know what what's what's ahead for this production. Um, you know, your, your website says you're looking at a six day shoot in uh, November time, I think it was six days. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, with, the, with the schedule that we have right now, we're trying to do uh, six days in, I'm hoping for October. Um, it's yeah. really just gonna come down to funding and when my crew is available and, you know, if we're gonna, I'm not sure if we're gonna be able to do it all back to back or what we're gonna do as far as scheduling, but yeah, hopefully by this fall. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that's what people don't appreciate as well with these, you know, with, with this sort of, these sort of productions is, is, is the amount of work that has to go in before, before you even switch the camera on, you know, before you can even film one, one shot, the, the amount of work that has to go in to, you know, obtaining locations, you, you know, set design, costumes, all the rest of it. Uh, are you having to coordinate all this yourself or, or have you been able to sort of delegate some of these tasks to, uh, to other producers? Yeah, so I, I am really lucky. I have two producers that are working with me. I'm still technically a producer myself, but I'm kind of trying to consider myself more of the quote unquote executive producer, AKA mm. the person with the money. Mm. Um, but yes, I do have two producers who've been incredibly helpful, um, really doing everything I've needed them to, helping me with my crowdfunding campaign, helping budget, um, helping with casting. Um, we our, our really big project that we had to do in March was pulling together the proof of concept shoot, mm -hmm. which was, you know, basically like shooting a mini short film in and of itself. Um, that took essentially the, the entire month to prep for. Yeah, because um, that, that in yeah, itself I, is made up of about four or five different shots, isn't it? I think, you know, it's, it's, it's not just like one continuous thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we did like 10 individual setups. Um, yeah. That's what I had storyboarded for it. Um, but it was, you know, we, we got it done in one night. I think it was like a six or seven hour shoot total. Um, it wasn't terrible, but it was it was still a long. lot of work for sure. <laughs> it was still long. It was a night shoot. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I'm, I'm really grateful that we were able to get it. And uh, the, the months leading up to that were especially crazy because we were, um, you know, getting our crowdfunding kind of strategy put together while also being in pre-production for the, the full length film that we want to shoot in the fall, but also pre-production for just this little proof of concept shoot mm. that we had to do. So there were a lot of, a lot of moving parts. Um, and I think we ended up casting the leads in like, two or three weeks like it was very very quick timeline um 
but it all came together like in a really kind of miraculous way mm. and that is just all thanks to the people that I had on my team who were just so willing to just jump in and put everything they had into getting it done and I'm I'm incredibly grateful for everyone who has helped me so far in this journey <laughs> like we have a long way to go still um, but I'm I'm very proud of how well we have like stayed on our timeline like mm. when I started writing this in October I told my co-writer Shade I was like if we write this I'm making it and I'm making it next year and this <laughs> is the timeline that I want to follow I want to crowdfund in the spring I want to use summer for pre-pro and I want to shoot in the fall and so far we've stayed like not to toot my own horn but perfectly on track every step of the way and I'm I'm really really grateful for having a team that was just so down to help me do that and uh it's it's been crazy it's it's great mm -hmm. well it's absolutely superb and um Yes, so myself and Rich are really looking forward to seeing the fruits of all this um, at some point towards the end of the year. Um, but yeah, so, so absolutely good luck um, with this and we'll be keeping tabs on it for sure. Um, I just want to sort of touch up very quickly. I mean, um, you did mention um, your love of the 80s, but can, can you give me like three films which, which have influenced your sort of style? Specifically from the 80s or just in general? No, any, any, any time. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, God. I, I, I've said many times that Night Shift specifically is an amalgamation of like modern feminist horror. So mm -hmm. for that, I would say um, Ginger Snaps is a huge one for me. That was kind of what set off the whole idea of like oh my god a female werewolf that's revolutionary mm. like that's so cool why has that not been explored more yeah. um so like ginger snaps raw um uh excision teeth all of those kind of like more modern feminist horror mm -hmm. films are a huge huge point of inspiration for me um, and then, like we talked about, there's uh, the 80s films. Um, I'm, I love monster movies. It's my favorite genre of horror. I love the, the potential for like metaphor and symbolism that monsters provide. Sure. Um, so I particularly love the 80s and all of the monster movies that come with it. And American Werewolf in London mm -hmm. is really that just kind of encapsulates, I think, everything I love about film. I love horror comedies. I love, like, out-of-the-box uh, practical effects. And the, the story is extremely compelling. So that's definitely another big point of inspo for me. Mm -hmm. And then, um, like I said, 80s teen movies, um, there's something about the the way that the dialogue is written and just how quippy and like witty 
everyone in these movies is and just the the camp and the the cheesiness kind of factor of those two has always been incredibly charming to me so all of those kind of when I when I took all of those points of inspiration and tried to synthesize them into one cohesive story that's kind of how Night Shift came to be. <laughs> Brilliant. As I said, we're really um, stoked about this and, and we're really looking forward to seeing how it all develops and hopefully we'll get you back on to talk about your experiences on set. Oh, I hope. It's going to be such an incredible production. I'm super excited and I, I can't wait to start building what my uh, femme werewolf is going to mm. look like. I'm especially excited for all of the the crazy practical effects that we have planned so I can't That's wait awesome. to to get it all done and share it with people I used to I must admit I, I used to be really snobbish about short films I, you know I, I didn't understand it as a as a art form uh, until I don't know about sort of five years ago and then you know, suddenly realized that how important vital it actually is I think it's really incredible that you guys like offer a platform to kind of specifically focus on that medium mm. of film because it really truly is like so so vital especially you know for people like me people who are up and coming who are trying mm -hmm. to kind of you know figure out what their creative voice is and what they want to make and mm. uh making connections and being able to network and all of these different things it's it's really important to be able to do that in a shorter format and you know for like for me I like to make longer form short films like mm. Night Shift is probably going to be like a 20-25 minute short film again um, because I like to have like a full three act structure yeah, i was gonna say yeah, beginning middle and end sort of thing yeah mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um and that's because you know my my goal one day is to make features i want to mm. make a i want to make feature films but making those <laughs> is even more <laughs> expensive and more time consuming um, and it's really hard to get the momentum and the excitement for something like that when you are such a new filmmaker still. So yeah. having the opportunity and the platform to be able to make something on a slightly smaller scale for slightly less money mm. is really vital for um, helping this kind of pool of talent like take the next step in their career and to offer that platform for their entire cast and crew and all of these you know the the gaffers and the cinematographers and the um producers that are trying to make a name for themselves and whatever um piece of filmmaking that they want to do mm -hmm. absolutely there's one one thing i did forget to mention or, or talk about um and, and that is the you know you're making a werewolf film um, it, it occurs to me that sort of, you know, the, the concept of, of werewolves is, it is the most sort of transgressive horror sort of trope, you know what I mean? It, and mm -hmm. it, it is, it seems to be sort of very metaphorical for uh, not, not, not only the sort of, you know, sort of, sort of gay community, it's sort of, um, or, but also sort of trans community as well, um, going, going through that sort of, sort of um, dysphoria 
kind of kind of feeling and you know and, and coming to terms with your own sexuality in 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 sort of numerous ways i mean did, did that sort of feature into it at all or, or is it just a coincidence yeah i mean there was definitely i mean you totally hit the nail on the head honestly um werewolves are obviously like a very metaphorical like symbol heavy kind of monster um I was really interested in doing like a female werewolf because a it was something I had seen very very little of in cinema already mm. and it really felt like there was so much to explore there with like I was when I was writing it I was thinking a lot about myself and how I've always felt like I am a woman, but I am like, uh, like, I don't know. I'm just, I, I have this like anger inside of me that I feel like women are not allowed to express. And mm. I feel like I have this, like, there's like this wildness in us that is repressed deeply from a young age. Mm. And I wanted to kind of explore the werewolf um, through that angle of like, you know, I, I only really see male werewolves and uh, werewolves are such like an inherently kind of masculine monster, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting but, you, know, you get this sort of idea that so, you know, when, when, a, when it's a male werewolf, it, it's somehow empowering. Yeah. And where, when it's a woman, it, it's like a curse, you know. Exactly. It, it, Exactly. And that's, that's another part of Night Shift where I was like, I don't want this to be a curse. I want this to be a power. I want this to be something that allows my character to fully be herself and be this wild, feral beast that we all are deep down inside. But for mm. some reason, women are not allowed to express that. And I always hated that. And then when I brought on my lead actor, Marlo, um, we kind of had this entirely new lens for the werewolf archetype because Marlo is non-binary. Marlo mm -hmm. has experienced a lot of those feelings of, um, you know, not feeling comfortable in your body and not mm. feeling like you can fully express yourself and um, these feelings of like repression and uh, yeah, so it kind of transformed into even more of a metaphor for queerness and uh, like gender transition and all of this stuff. And um, I don't know 100% how much that will come through in the final product, but I think just having the lead character who in the film is a cisgender woman, but mm. that character being portrayed by someone who was socialized as a woman but later came to discover that they actually identify as not a woman as non-binary or yeah. trans mask and yeah. I think it just offered this entirely other layer um, to the story that I'm I'm really excited about exploring and I'm really really grateful that I brought Marlo on and that we can kind of continue to develop that together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As you say, it does add that extra sort of element to it, you know, that, that extra bit of background, which is yeah. uh, superb. 
Brilliant. Carly, yeah. thank you very much. Um, so you, you've got a, um, a Seed and Spark page set up for this for um, any sort of donations and, and to learn a bit more about the film itself, um, ethos behind it and the people who are going to be involved. And there will be a link to that in the footnotes. So please do check it out um, and look out for Night Shift uh, probably sometime in 2023 by the time it's released. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.